Thanks, Stephen. Well, good morning. Um, if uh, you don't know me already, my name's Jodie. Is the mic okay? Yeah? Great. Um, yeah, my name's Jodie, and I am not very good at waiting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that on Boxing Day last year, I said, I just can't wait for Christmas. Um, I'm one of those people who just, you know, if I know that something's on the horizon, I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, we've got a little holiday booked next weekend um, just in North Devon, and ever since we booked it, I am just... I'm waiting. I'm desperate. I wonder what kind of things you're waiting for at the moment. They might be very trivial things. You might be uh, waiting to see a friend. You might, be, you might be waiting for lunch, and that's okay. But there might also be big things in your life that you're waiting for. Or maybe circumstances to change. Perhaps you've been praying about certain things in your life, and it feels like you've been waiting for God to answer them, for months or years. <laughs> for a really long time, I struggled with really bad eczema on my hands um, for probably five, six years. And in that time, I was just waiting for God to, to make a miracle happen and bring healing to my hands because it was really not good. Waiting for things like that, for our circumstances to change and for God to, to do something drastic in our lives can be really hard, can't it? To wait well, Advent, this season that we're now in, yay, um, is a season of waiting. But it's good waiting, because we know what comes at the end of it. But it's still that season of anticipation, of looking ahead expectantly. However, it wasn't quite like that for the Jews um, just before Jesus came. If you have a Bible in front of you, um, which I suspect lots of you don't, and if you, if you have a digital Bible on your phone, I'm afraid this isn't going to quite work in the same way. Um, if you have a paper Bible, and I encourage you to do this at home if you, if you have a Bible then, or grab one on your way out, um, grab the piece of paper between Malachi chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 1. That piece of paper is the bit that kind of separates our Bibles from Old Testament to New Testament. Now, it's very easy to just kind of flick the page and carry on the story. But this piece of paper here represents just over 400 years. 400 years. Now, I'm sure that God was working in amazing ways in the lives of his people around the world in those 400 years. But also it's clear that there was some kind of period of silence, some expectant waiting, thinking God promised he'd send someone. God promised he would do something. But we're just waiting. And this is what the season of Advent is about. It's about taking a moment to think what that season was like and waiting expectantly. Our passage uh, this morning is in John chapter 1, a great passage to kick off Advent. But as we read it, it's just so important to remember that from a period of silence came this. In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Let me say again that into that silence came in the beginning, was the word. Sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? We know that Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, starts with in the beginning, in the beginning. And so what John, the author of this passage, is doing is saying, hey, we've kind of been here before. We've had that kind of silence. And into that, God speaks. And when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things change. When God spoke the words that we read about in Genesis, let there be light, light came. Light was literally brought into existence. And here, in our passage today, at the beginning of Advent, we think about the fact that God uses you know, the same words being brought about in Christ. God incarnate, the light of the world, coming into human existence. Let there be light. <laughs> well, now those words have become flesh and walk among us. Christ, God incarnate, the light of the world, the light, the life, the word, the very word of God being made man. Like I said, when God speaks, things happen. You might be able to think, if you're familiar with the Gospels, of particular passages where Jesus speaks words that literally change whole circumstances. We read about Jairus' daughter, and who's, who's no longer breathing, and yet Jesus says, um, rise, walk, talitha kum, he says in the Greek, or the Aramaic maybe. Um, and she rises, because when Jesus speaks, just like when God says, let there be light, Jesus' words carry so much power because he is God incarnate. Likewise, on the stormy sea, when Jesus is having a nap, and all of his disciples are like, there's a storm here, how come you're just sleeping through it? And Jesus wakes up and he says, waves, be still. How can he do that? Well, because he was there in the beginning, 
when God spoke everything, creation, into existence. Jesus was part of that. It's really important to remember that Christ is, was never a, a fabrication, you know, once the plan, plan A didn't go quite as they wanted. It wasn't like we got to this point and then God thought, oh, uh, yeah, here's Jesus. Jesus was there from the beginning. He was not, is not a plan B. He's God. So he was always there, has always been there, is there. He was there in the creation story. He was there in God calling Abraham to be a light to the nations. He was there in Israel's suffering all those years that we read about in the Old Testament. He was there in the silence in those 400 plus years. Let's just look briefly at verses 12 to 13 that we read earlier. Yet to all who did receive him, him being Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. When we have faith in Christ, we're adopted into his family and we become light bearers too. Just as Christ is the light, we're also lights. We carry his light with us. Romans 8.17 says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And we have faith in Christ we carry a resemblance of him to the world around us, a likeness. Wouldn't it be amazing if we resembled something of Christ in our everyday lives? It's quite a big challenge, but it's what God calls us to. I think that um, yeah, all through my life, people have said, oh, you look so much like your mum. But then other people say, oh, you look so much like your dad. I wonder if uh, you carry a particular likeness to either of your parents um, or, you know, kids in your life. There is a likeness, isn't there? A resemblance. My dad um, is quite a creative person. He wants to, you know, he'll see something and think, I want to paint that. Or he'll think up a, a random story and think, I want to write that. And I have a little bit of that from him. Um, I know that I have taken on some of his character in that, in that way. We also can sometimes act as ambassadors, can't we, for our parents? My dad published a very small book, um, a biography on the um, Bishop of Gloucester around the Reformation. Um, I know, very, very interesting stuff. Um, I, I haven't actually read that book. Uh, I'm sorry, Dad. Um, but I do tell other people to read it. And if somebody says that they're interested in the Reformation or in local history around the Reformation, I will absolutely say, hey, you should see what my dad has done. Because I'm his daughter, and I'm an ambassador for all the things that he is passionate about. Does that make sense? Um, I should say that he published it when I was about 14, and I did try and read the first chapter, but um, I never gave it another go, and I probably should. I'd probably find it a lot more interesting now. We inherit character, passion, 
all kinds of things from our Heavenly Father. We have a resemblance. And again, wouldn't it just be amazing if other people saw the resemblance of Christ and his light through our everyday lives? Let's go back a second to verses 6 to 9. This is where we read about John. Now, this is a little bit confusing because we're reading from the book of John, but it's not to be mistaken for the guy who's writing. He's talking about John the Baptist. He said, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, that is, the light that is Christ, so that through him, through John, all might believe in Christ. He himself, John, was not the light, Christ. He came only as a witness to the light. John the Baptist was quite a big deal. He had quite a following. Some people even thought he probably was the Messiah or at least, like, you know, a, a big deal prophet. But John's purpose really was all about directing others to the light, pointing people away from himself and to Christ. Now, nowhere is this more evident um, than when John himself is recorded as saying this in just a couple of chapters later, John chapter 3, verse 30. He says, He, God, must become greater. I must become less. Because John's purpose is not about bringing people to himself. It's about bringing people to God. He must become greater. I must become less. It's incredibly humbling attitude. Can we say the same of ourselves? That in all we do, we resemble something of Christ, but also that in all we do, we're not just pointing others to ourselves and saying, look at me, but we're resembling the light of Christ. Have you ever been to maybe a large-scale event or um, even just like a really busy National Trust property? This is the example that I think of in my head. Um, but perhaps like a festival or something where you're driving into the car park and there's lots of stewards in high-vis jackets. Okay, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, lots of people in high-vis jackets normally going like this, you know, this way, um, or maybe this way. And... Um, I was kind of thinking that that's actually a really good way of thinking about this. We are those people in the high-vis jackets pointing to the main event. When you go to, a, to something like that and you see people in the jackets, you might get a little bit of anticipation. We're here. We've arrived. Oh, we've just got to follow them. But they're not the main event. You don't just park your car as soon as you see them and think, should we go home? That would be ridiculous. <laughs> and so when we're sharing the light of Christ with people, let us remember that we're not the main event. Actually, even Redland isn't the main event. We are a city on a hill. Jesus says that himself. We are a shining beacon. But we are not the main event. We are not the light. We point to the light. We ourselves, in our everyday lives, are like the stewards in the high-vis jacket. And we might be saying, come to Redland. Come to your local church. Find out about the light of the world. 
And then when we get to Redland, we also say, hey, this isn't, it doesn't stop here. We need to make sure we're pointing people up. He must become greater. We must become less. Like I said, Jesus said himself, you are the light of the world. But we mustn't confuse that with thinking that we are the main event in our personal lives or as a church or as a national church. We can't stop there. We're called to be light bearers that direct others to the light of the world. I wonder if you've ever noticed when you ask someone about their faith, whether they tell you about their faith or about church. I notice this quite often. Um, if somebody says, you know, how long have you been a Christian? How did you become a Christian? Quite often the answer is, well, I started going to church, you know, when I was a young adult, and now I've been going to church for 20-odd years. Or It's so much easier to tell people about church, isn't it, than about our personal relationship with Christ. You might notice it now that I've said it. I notice it quite a lot. When we ask someone about faith and they tell us about church, and we do it ourselves. I'm not saying I'm exempt from this. It's because it's a lot easier to talk about that. Church is a light. Like I said, it's a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, but it only exists to point others towards the light and to encourage us in our everyday living that directs others to the light. I'm going to, um, can I borrow this mic, Stephen? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's on. It's okay. We'll see. Oh, you need to switch it on. Sorry, yeah, I need, do need it on. <laughs> I want to hear um, what you guys are doing this time tomorrow. Okay? Um, it'd be great to hear from as many people as possible um, in just a few minutes what you're doing, where you're doing it. Okay, shall I start over here? And if you just feel able to say, then just uh, speak in. I'm coming over. I actually, f oh sorry, take it away. Um, I feel like it's a bit of a cop out what I'm about to say because it's going to, no. um, not my usual morning, but I'm meeting fellow trustees from In Hope to look at um, housing for vulnerable with an Amazing. empty building in the city. So normally I'd be looking at buildings and land as part of my day job, but tomorrow's not about profiteering, but hopefully profiting in a, in a godly way. Amazing. Anyone else? You can keep passing it if you want to. But. I'm helping a family plan a funeral. I'm getting new tyres for my car. <laughs> Anyone else? Feel free to keep passing it back. If... Um, I'm a gardener, so I'm going to be mowing a lawn. <laughs> I'm a writer, so I'll be sitting at my desk researching an article that I need to write. 11.30, probably making a cup of tea at this time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Anyone else? Come on. Anyone? No pressure. <laughs> okay. My name is Natalie, and uh, thank you for everyone for your support of Ukrainian people, for a whole our nation, and we have really difficult time now, and I'm here with my family. And, uh, and the University of Bristol support us and every people. Thank you for uh, your Amazing. kindness, first of all. And I think it's, we also believe in God and I think that um, I'm really 
thing that God help us in hard life situation. Thank you. Mm, thanks, Natalie. Weather permitting, I'm playing golf tomorrow. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Do you like this? Uh, I'll be back here at the Focus Ladies Bible Study Group. Don't come here. <laughs> oh, no. Too true. <laughs> no, we're having a prayer morning because we can't be in here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anyone else? Do you want to keep, keep going or pass it over? Or? Whether it's raining or not, I'm walking the dog. <laughs> Feel free to pass on. I will be here tomorrow, Christmas buying the hall. Ah, nice. I'll be taking communion to someone. Thanks. Depends whether I've just... I think I, I'm going to be sending out some emails to documentary makers and then speaking to a student in London about filmmaking. I'll be doing a, an end of first term review with my head of Spanish. See the breadth that we're finding. Anyone else want to share? Yeah? I'll be running a clinic. Um, I'll be at my intro to psych workshop online, but I get to do it for my bed, so that's great. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'll be on my third Zoom call of the day. That's even cool, bless you. <laughs> any more for any more? I'll be here helping to set up Keyhole, hopefully. Great. I'll pass it. Anyone else desperate to share? Jane. I'll be with Bishop Viv and her senior staff, helping them to think through how to govern and how to lead the implementation of their new five-year strategy. So we'd really value some prayers for that. <laughs> Pretty good. Thanks, Jane. Anyone else? Anyone? I'll be at a school over in Easton. Great. I'll be talking to a social worker. Great. I'll be making up some chemical solutions at school. <laughs> Great. I'll be here with Christmas through the keyhole. I'll be making dinner for my kids. <laughs> I'll be at my dad's house. Probably on my computer. Great. Anyone back here desperate to share? Parenting, looks like, maybe. Um, this is amazing. Um, let me turn this off. I really wanted to show this morning um, that in all that we do, we are called to go out into the, the places that we're called and carry the light of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're in a really, really important meeting, if you're having your third cup of tea of the day, if you're homeschooling kids, if you're here praying with other people. In each and every one of those places, you carry the light of Christ. And how amazing to think of all the places that even just us here in this room will be carrying the light of Christ tomorrow. Amazing. That is really exciting, something to be excited about. In verse 9, we're told that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
Now, this is good news. The true light that gives light to everyone came. But also, he has come in that he is still here. And also, he is coming again. Let me say that again. The true light that gives light to everyone came on earth in Jesus. He has come in that he is still here by his spirit, equipping us day in and day out to be light in those places. And he will come again when we see him face to face. Isn't that good news? I hope that that gets you excited about sharing the light of Christ with people. Can we boldly be light bearers that share this good news to the world? I um, just grabbed some of these and I just want to encourage you to pick these up on your way out um, this morning. Part of our vision here at Redland is that we go out, we're like a petrol station, okay? We're going to refuel here, we're going to go out into the world, we're going to encourage other people to explore faith, we're going to invite them. We're part of this invitational culture, okay? That's what we want to nurture here at Redland. Christmas carol services, great things to invite people to, to let them see a little bit of that light. And then we've got Alpha starting as well, the perfect thing to invite people to if they're asking questions. Christmas through the keyhole, we've already heard a lot about that this morning. Great things to invite families and young children to. And the Christmas ball, why not invite some friends to have a good party at Christmas in church? Redland, we are not, even the National Church, we are not the main event. But we, we don't just invite people because it's a nice thing to do. We invite people to things like this in the hope that they see the light of Christ, that they know Christ for themselves. Because when he speaks, things change. He is the word, the light, the life that gives light to everyone. We're going to pray now. Um, so let's just take a moment of silence as we ponder um, all that God is doing around us in those places that, that was said will be tomorrow. <laughs> let's just take a moment. <clears throat>